This podcast is brought to you by Big Heads Media. For more great podcasts, go to bigheadsmedia.com. Welcome to episode five of Pints and Politics UK. I'm Johnny, Adam's here as well. Hello everyone, how are you today? Yeah, I have no waffly introduction really to uh, to throw at you, so let's get started with uh, a quick a quick roadmap, a quick roadmap actually of, of where, uh, where the podcast will go. And I use the word roadmap um, very well because first topic, main topic, big topic is about the proposed roadmap. Now we talked about this last week actually. Boris Johnson's proposed roadmap for exiting out of the lockdown that the UK are currently in. And we were speculating what it might look like. We didn't really have much to go off, but we we had an idea that schools reopening, they've been closed for just over a month now, we thought that schools reopening would be at the forefront of any exit out of lockdown. And we were right. I mean, the signs are still pointing to that. Um, but Adam, as uh, I was talking to you, uh, as I was noting to you before we went on to the podcast, I get the sense that some of Britain's right-wing media press are really pushing for this lockdown to be, I'm going to use the word to stay neutral, overly efficient in the speed that they do it in. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's an overly efficient thing to say. Yes, <laughs> very good. <laughs> no, um, Basically, they want over and done with now. I yeah. feel like the anyone who knows the Daily Mail, right, right, le- right leaning newspaper. That's what, that was yes. not awful. Yeah. Um, yeah, read predominantly by the older generations. It's not it's just the been, Mail, though, is it, Adam? I'm pretty sure from what I've seen, the Telegraph have been asking for a quick open, and the Telegraph again would would go into your once remit, again right? go into that sort of yeah. Telegraph sometimes dubbed the Tory graph. Um, there's Tory Tory's nickname for the Conservatives, just in case um, you weren't graph. sure of yeah. that. We'll talk about the Conservatives a bit later in more detail, but, yeah. but carry on, Adam. Yeah, so I should think those most affected by the pandemic or those most vulnerable are tend to be the readers of these newspapers, and I think they are looking to stir up a bit of reaction from the general public, don't you think? <laughs> ah, Yeah, I mean... As I've noted, uh, I mean, just for some context on this, there was a. This is from. Well, you can't see it. We will move on to some video features, I'm sure, in the future. I know Big Heads Media want that, but for now, you're just going to have to bear with the vocal cords of myself and my Welsh friend. Um, but this is from <laughs> this is from Wednesday's Wednesday's Daily Mail. Uh, the rough roadmap they are going with or suggesting will will take place when Boris Johnson uh, unless- feels it. Yes. Yeah. Let, let's just put a stress the um, the rough yes. word of that sentence. And this is, this is an extremely outlook. rough. I, I, I don't agree with this. I'm putting okay. that right out there straight from the start. I think yes. this is not right. Okay. On. 
Right, so we've got Easter, uh, reopening limited uh, to self-catered holiday lets and larger hotels. So this is around Easter time. And this is also when we imagine the schools will open. In fact, no, the schools will probably be even earlier than Easter. But around Easter time, a reopening limited to self-catered holiday lets and larger hotels. By May, restaurants and pubs open with two households indoors and rule of six outdoors. In June, venues will be allowed to expand to rule of six indoors. And then in July, industry bosses told leisure and UK tourism will be broadly back to normal, uh, broadly in inverted commas, normal is the suggestion here, um, will be reached by July. Now. Right. Yes. Right. Right. Here I go again. Yeah. Release the Bregan. So, agreed on progression. I agree with what each point of the plan they have outlined is. Yeah. Yes, agreed. Yeah. However, the time frame is way too ambitious. Yeah. We lift this lockdown in April. You know, if we start lifting it at the rate that they're saying over those month periods, it's just not going to work. It's going to be reversing all this good work we've already done. Yeah, I would. My personal opinion is, you wait until June mm. or early July to even start that process, or you increase each gap by a month. So we're back to normal by the start of 2022. Well, we said that, didn't we? We both said yeah. in our heads, 2022 represented at the start. It'd be a new year. In my, in our heads, it represented enough leeway, enough time to get the infections down, to get everyone vaccinated, to and to rejig the economy. In, yeah, yeah, carefully rejig the economy. We're mm. not saying that we shouldn't be doing this, but what me and Johnny are saying is overly efficient. We'll go back to that word because that seems yeah. pretty... It's a good, on, good, good on, way on, of saying it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It seems pretty much on the number. I can't remember. Is that is that the same? On the number? On the... Yeah, on the on the pulse. On the pulse, I think. Is, is that, oh, I, I, don't I don't know. know. Adam is not <laughs> on the know. pulse. <laughs> no. No, he's uh, on the beer. <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> um, but no, I just had to quote you on that. You, we're talking about... You're talking and using the, using the words... Uh, the hyphenated word or the words overly efficient and kind of sounded middle class then um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> no, no wrong with that I'm a pet. not wrong with that yeah anyway <laughs> yeah. but, but oh, by we the say way, this John, yeah. Johnny's from Burnley just yeah, google from, Burnley from and Burnley. Burnley. no 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 if you google Burnley you'll probably see the Premier League football team I'm from a town near Burnley and um, so I will say it's home to a, it's close to a town that's home to Premier League football. Not many towns can say that. Anyway, uh, when Adam says overly efficient, uh, it's quite amusing because uh, the headline and subheadline from the Daily Mail on Wednesday says roadmap out, roadmap out of lockdown, but it will take until July. July in capitals in brackets, and then this is followed up on Thursday's Daily Mail with a. Um, with, a, with another uh, front page heading uh, in big capital letters, now take the brakes off, Boris. And that's with relation to the lockdown. Now, I've, we talked, again, we talked a bit about this last week. And I was saying, I was re- the, most, the people I was most sympathetic to, aside from obviously the vulnerable during COVID and during the pandemic, was people who worked and owned businesses in the hospitality sector. And the travel industry, you know, these are these are hard hit businesses. I know a few people 
uh, that work in those sectors and they have found it very, very, very hard. And my deeper sympathies go out to them. And I think we owe it to them to when we slowly get back out of this lockdown to make sure that we don't go back into another lockdown. That's the way I exactly. Um, exactly. And but that means, you know, to the British, you know, British society hmm. to respect the rules of establishments. Yes. And we both know that is not a strong point of British culture, is it? We're well, quick it... to complain and we're quick to whinge when something isn't quite to the standard we want. Mm. As somebody who worked in hospitality for seven years and through the first lockdown, or mm. after the first lockdown, through the first summer lockdown, it is very difficult to please everyone. And when you're trying to compromise, you tend to throw away safety sometimes. Yeah, and, you, and you, you're absolutely right there. It, it is worth noting that vast swathes of the British public yes. are... I, I don't think it's a controversial point at all. To be no, no, no. Compare it to somewhere, I, think... I know it's very different, but when I worked in China, you'd never get such disobedience. But again, that's a different level of political... Well, that's a we'll show... uh, socio-economic sort we'll definitely, of... We'll definitely go into yeah. China in future episodes, but we just haven't got there yet. There's too much going on here. Um, and... I do think I was looking at some reports by experts, scientists uh, covering the virus, and they're saying that putting the schools, putting the kids back to school, not putting the teachers, like you said last week, on the priority list for vaccines is going to very likely send the R rate, um, the re reproduction rate of the virus back to one or higher than one, which is kind of undoing the work these, over the past few past month or so in getting the virus down by keeping everyone at home and including the kids. Um, so imagine that. I, and then all of the other measures we've just discussed, that, that reproduction rate is not staying below one, is it? No, I just, I, I obviously we, we can't dedicate this episode to it because we did, we did that last week, mm. but it's, I, I just don't understand why teachers haven't been put on priorities. And I'm not talking about just teachers here. I'm talking about, the people who are currently still running schools from within the schools. We're talking yep. about classroom cleaners, yeah. you know, um, dinner ladies. You know, it's worth mentioning well, as well. I know. I, sorry, um, I, sh I, sh I shouldn't have said dinner ladies. I mean, dinner people. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I, no, I think that's women right, aren't know. exclusively dinner ladies. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, no to be honest, I, yeah. I don't think you'd have got pulled up on that because, again, it was something that we, when we were growing up, uh, that was the norm term, wasn't it? I don't that think it's you the norm. I never yeah, had a male. A I person. never did. I never did. But no. you obviously can do. Um, but, but yeah. My, 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 but yeah. But my point being is anyone within a position that is working in a school that's near children or, mm. you know, that are coming from an array of different backgrounds, mm. you know, there's a risk of that virus coming in and spreading. Yeah. And one or two of my friends now are primary school teachers and you made a good point actually because if you're a primary school teacher and the and the kids are of key workers um from key worker the kids are of parents who are key workers then they still have to go into school and they actually they still do activities with them and it's you know obviously it's going to be quite cl close together because there's only a few of them so you get you know you're not going to have much social distancing with younger kids yeah, exactly. And how do you get kids to social distance? You do not. Yes. That is a simple answer. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah it, it, it's a difficult one. And, yeah, it'd be great to see a little bit more proactiveness on the government front 
when it comes to schools mm. and when it comes to vaccinations. But on the topic of this, just to round off this kind of big topic, really, and the point was we've got an inkling from some right-wing media outlets what this lockdown might look like. And the overriding point or summary point to this is really, should these media outlets, granted rule allowed free speech, but should they be a bit more... Sensitive? Sensitive, yeah. a little bit, yeah. And less cavalier, because they're speaking, it's worth noting, on behalf of a large number of people in the UK who will read this, agree with this, believe that July is still... Even those optimistic predictions, July is still too far away. They want it all resolved by May or April. So they're speaking on behalf of a lot of people. But it again, it's a just... difficult one. Hmm. Yeah, it is a difficult one because the function of the media hmm. is to maintain transparency of the government, hmm. right? That is their function. It's to ensure hmm. that we're getting, as the public, as much transparency from government issues, government decisions as we possibly can. Hmm. However, does that warrant panic to print words that are going to create panic? No. So, so it's a difficult one because, yes, the media have a duty to ensure transparency, but at the same time, there's, we don't want to send the country into arrogance, ignorance or chaos or all three. So, oh, lovely, lovely summary, actually, there. And, um, yeah, yeah I... <laughs> I I know it was kind of a bit like last week and it will be because we, we've got more of an idea of what the roadmap looks like. And I will say now, just to, just to finish on that point and just to finish this topic, that if that is the roadmap and it is hypothetical, but it's... Yeah, very these, much hypothetical. But but these are, these are apparently well-sourced articles, apparently. So if that does go ahead to 90% of what has been stated in certain outlets where by July the government and, and Britain want to be at a level of normality, then I think another lockdown is almost an inevitability. And yes. I still think we're looking at a 2022 normality as opposed to a rushed 2021 race to the to the normal level. Personally, personally, I prefer it done properly first time around mm. than dragging it out. Because yeah. either way, it's going to fall into 2022. If we rush mm. it, Mm. We go into another lockdown, we land mm. in 2022. Yeah. We do it properly, we land in 2022, and then we get to exit it. So, yeah. Yeah. And I also, I, I, and I was talking to someone uh, in the family about this actually, that if we, if these variants have start to multiply and they start to, and they start to spread quick, more quickly when the R rate goes up and they start to go across more of the UK, then I've been told, well, I've not been told, I've looked at social media and, and Boris Johnson sort of insinuated that by winter, we might have to do another set of, um, of vaccinations because, again, there will be a rising R rate and the variants at that point might have mutated into something that's out of the reach of what we have now in terms of our, in terms of our, um, our vaccinations. So... But it's important to maintain the view as well that we have an understanding of the virus now. We have mm. vaccines that can combat it. Molding it all to suit from a scientific point of view is not going to be as such a challenge as it was at the start. Mm. No. So I think we should always maintain that, yes, people may say, make sure you get your COVID vaccine. Be the same sort of sentence you say to kids now, get your flu jab. It'll become normality 
and normality is quickly, you know, forgotten. So true. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Um, yeah. So not optimistic from certain outlets. Not too optimistic on science and politics. You get. Um, okay. So in other news, I mean, this should probably be in funny news, but it's political. <laughs> go on, go on. <laughs> I'm going to laugh anyway. So it's you, fine. you know what it is. Um, I thought. Right. I'll be honest. I thought. I'm not Boris Johnson's biggest fan by any stretch of the imagination. I actually found this quite funny. And I thought people trying to criticise him for this comment need to, to be honest, you know, have a laugh. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's what I thought, pretty much. Like, okay, I I think think he even tweeted from the account. um, Probably wasn't his best choice of words. Didn't mean I didn't laugh. Um, I did. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So basically, Boris Johnson was in a vaccine vaccination area where he was there for. Well, he's there to show his face amid the chaos of the vi- of the pandemic and there to help in his own way. Um, and while well, the own cameras were there, way. yeah, his own <laughs> special way. And then, then while the cameras were there, one of the microphones caught him uh, comparing himself to OJ when he tried to put the glove on. Uh, tried to put a glove on, some PPE equipment, tried to compare himself to OJ Simpson, the man who was... Um, Acquitted you know, for... Yeah. Yeah, we all know the story. his wife. I mean, obviously, that's far from amusing, but a long time ago, this was a huge yeah. case in America, and um, they made a... I actually watched the TV series about it, I think American Crime Story. I think John Travolta yeah, is yeah, I think it was. quite good. Um, but yeah, that was that was that was huge news. Uh, he was a famous uh, former uh, American football player, and and the, and the British Prime Minister compared his um, attempts to put the glove on to to OJ's, and this was a big piece of evidence within the trial um, at the time. And um, yeah, only Boris Johnson would probably do that. Don't get me wrong, and it was. In certain, I mean, it was a terrible use of words in in, in many ways for a world for a, a the leader of a uh, one of the st- big leaders of the third of a of a big country like um, or a big continent, I suppose, like Britain. Depending, you'd probably say England, but we're not a continent, mate. We're a, li- we're a <laughs> we're little, island, we're a little island, right? Well, many we're many people, well, many, geographically, I suppose, but many, many hey, many Brexiteers would say we're a continent. We're one Canada of the have lakes bigger than us. <laughs> Well, I mean, we are we are we are a wee little wee little place. Anyway, point is, point is, probably wasn't the best choice of words. But at the same time, in a global yeah. pandemic, he wasn't uh, doing a speech. It was it was done. Not you know, he was just talking to one of the colleagues, probably trying to say something amusing to icebreak the situation as an icebreaker. I, I mean, I like I said, I'm not his biggest fan, but I thought anyone who was jumping on his. Um, Jumping in to say, "Oh, how can you say such a thing? How can you be so insensitive?" Come on, just I, I still see. I always felt this about Trump. Yeah, when he was in office, I felt like. He, but the difference with Trump was he was dangerous with the things yeah. he said. Yeah, Boris doesn't have that same sort of um, threat. No, it's just like go on, you we, we... know what he's like. Yeah, so just deal with it. You yeah. don't have to say. It's like that embarrassing uncle at a wedding. He's yeah, yeah. too many tequila slammers and is now dancing around with his tie and his head. You know what I mean? That, that, that's what Boris Johnson is at the moment. He's a laughing stock, and he yeah. just keeps on re, re, reproducing that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I didn't. I, I found no offense to it. In fact, in in some ways, it, 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 I do find that kind of, in that sense, that 
that spontaneity a little bit refreshing, you know, given and, and that's part of his part of his appeal, actually, that most politicians are, are all scripted and they, they, they know what they're going to say before they enter a room. Boris Johnson does it. Donald Trump does it. And that was kind of, I think, the appeal to many is that they just say, said what they thought was on the mind and they came across a bit more natural than others. Um, that has the pros and cons. Yeah. But natural is not correct. <laughs> no, I know, I know. I know, no, but what I'm saying is, I'm not saying it is. himself to, yeah, I know, okay, yeah. I'm saying, though, that for, from a voter's point of view, just the, just the ability to joke around a little bit and say something slightly edgy, so to speak, with a normal normal citizen would be would would appeal to someone who wasn't too enamoured with the with the um, with the highbrow nature of some of the other conservative leaders. But again, natural is probably not the right term. Yeah, and time and place. He was in a vaccination centre. You laughed. People are working. I did laugh, but. <laughs> I laughed at just the obscurity of it all. Like yeah. he made that joke in a vaccine center to a nurse who probably thinks he's a bit of a, you know. So I don't know. I don't know. Mate. I'm not in a good place to comment on this because I'm not. No, fair enough. You, you when, when you say when yeah, when you say you're not a fan, like you're not Boris Johnson's biggest fan. Yeah, I am not a fan of Boris Johnson. No, <laughs> so... no. <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> Well, I mean, I'm not. I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to sit on the fence of neutrality, as you know, as I like to do. Um, yeah, but, but we've got the um, another another uh, notable news story. It's a bit more quicker one, I think. Um, over 16.4 million have now had their first vaccine dose within the UK. Is that a whoop whoop? I think it is. That is a whoop whoop. Um, yeah. I'm not doing the sound. Sorry. No. But no, that is a very good statistic to have, and to be fair. They have proven that the AstraZeneca does protect against the South African mm. variant, haven't they? They have proven that. It was a myth that it wasn't. Mm. And also, all of the vaccines do reduce transmission by at least 67%. It's good that you say this that because... It's all very positive things to hear. If you follow the medical advice, it's supposed to reduce it by about 95, isn't it? Um, yeah. Or something along those lines. The, the 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 lesser one I've heard, I think it was the AstraZeneca one. Yeah. The, you know, the smaller number I've heard is sixty seven percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, time will tell whether it was sensible not to follow the medical advice. Personally, I would have done. I'm sure you would have done. Yeah, but I would have done as well. But yeah. again, I was talking to someone else about this, and it does look like a PR stunt to say Britain is now leading the world. And I, I'm, you know what, cynical me thinks hmm, maybe they have a point. Um, I will not. I will not divulge into that too much. But one thing, what what is good is that that number have received their first vaccine. It means that we are on some kind of pathway to beating this thing, regardless of whatever way you look at it. Or the time frame you look at it from. But yeah. either way, it might take a bit longer, it might take less time. Maybe me and Johnny are sceptic. Maybe the Daily Mail for once will have it right down to the T and we'll all be having pina coladas on Brighton Beach together by July. I don't know. I don't know why I said Brighton Beach. I should have said Benidorm or something. I don't know. Yeah. But, you know. Support Britain. <laughs> there we, we go. I feel like we need to stuff a bit, some home holidays. But, yeah. There we go. Yeah. Anyway, um, fantastic. So move on from that and we'll go on to our British culture feature. I think we've had BBC, had Gabbins versus Lefties. We've had pubs. We've had um, 
something else, which I can't remember, because that was three. But we're on number five, and number five is the Conservative Party, because we haven't really touched Yay. on... Yeah, we haven't really touched on uh, <laughs> too many political specifics. For a political-specific show, we've kind of divvied around a little bit onto different little British things. And, there, I mean, you could, the Conservative Party is something that is very British, because... I think now more than ever, Adam, they claim to be the party of the um, the, the patriotic party, I guess. Uh, and not, nothing sums that up more than the party that got and delivered Brexit. Yay! <laughs> oh, God, here we go. Yeah. I'm going to say something wrong. I know I can feel it. It's coming. fine, it's fine. That's what the edit button's for, or for not. <laughs> people like... Those people like wrong right. things being said. Okay, the Conservative Party. Also, yeah. a.k.a. the Tories. Yes, as Adam's oh. noted a few times. Yeah, uh, popular um, among the uh, older generation. Um, less popular along, among the younger generations. Mm. Um, however, the known, well, yeah. I don't know what really what much to say. So I, ideologically, mm. they the Conservative Party sit on the centre right, apparently, of yes. the political spectrum. Would you say currently they are more right than they would usually be? They're not even near to the centre at the moment. Mm. The only thing that has even inched them towards the centre was probably one of the most socialist policies we've seen in this country being the um, the furlough scheme. Mm. And that was course. unanimous across a lot of countries, really, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, of course. But, yeah, the Conservative Party very much um, set on neoliberalistic values, capitalism, economy, mm. you know, very much for privatisation, etc., mm. etc. Et you know, Would you... they lean towards those sorts of values. I'm not saying that it's exclusive mm. to those values. Mm. That's where they generally fall. And would you say that it's similar, I suppose, from an American standpoint, maybe to the Republican Party? Yes, of course. So I think the modern Conservative Party is very much built on the ideologies of Margaret Thatcher, as is the Republican Party was hand in hand with Reagan, was it? Mm. I remember now, I think. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I'd very much agree that I think you know, Republicans are generally known as... Uh, more concentrated on economic boost, you know. Um, I, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm not clear on my facts here. I'm, I'm trying to watch what I'm saying, but yeah. Right. When you think conservative, you think economy, capitalism, hmm. and um, and I, I would say patriotism now to a point as well. I, I I think you're right. Actually, I don't think there's much patriotism when it comes to left-wing people i mm. i think this was demonstrated with keir starmer being mm. the head of the opposition party in this mm. country being labor party mm. he tried to reframe the labor party as a patriotic party and it promptly fell on its ass well so, he's still got the opportunity to do that over the coming years i think yeah he's got the opportunity but it's not the time for it because um i've got a few friends who are labor supporters and part of the labor party or members of the Labour Party, um, and it, did, it 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 went down like a sack of spuds, mate. It was not um, seen as a great thing. So yeah, I think I think it could be argued that 
patriotism is more synonymous with right-wing groups, but or the Conservatives, Republicans, whatever. Yeah. Um, but I'm not saying it's exclusive because mm. you know I love Wales, mm. but I I am definitely more left-leaning. Anyone who listens to this pod- podcast will know mm. that I'm more left-leaning. Mm. So, yeah, for debate, very much so. Yeah, I mean, just for a bit of context, again, the Conservatives have been in power since 2010 in Britain. Um, they actually, they did initially under David Cameron, underwent a process of austerity on the whole country, which meant that there were lots of... That was after cuts. the final, financial crash, wasn't it? So, yeah, yeah, after the financial crash, lots of puts, yeah. cuts on public services. Again, I think he went head-to-head with Ed Miliband and the polls were very close. And then David Cameron won it quite comfortably by then suggest, saying, if I get elected, I will do a referendum on Europe. And that was the, that was a real swinger for many people. They swayed away from Ed Miliband. They went to Cameron. Ed Cameron got elected again. Um, David Cameron thought he would win the EU referendum. He was a remain, he was an arch remainer, him and George Osborne, yeah, who was his very much he was his sort of backup man. Well, uh, Chancellor, wasn't he? Chancellor of the Exchequer. Yeah, at yeah, the he time. was the Chancellor of the Exchequer. They they were very much in the remain camp. They thought they'd easily win. Uh they lost. So David Cameron fell on his sword, immediately stepped down after losing. Theresa May took charge of Go on. I was just going to say David Cameron promptly then moved to Cairns where he sat on a beach and uh, wrote an autobiography. But hey-ho, move on. Yeah, (laughs) and then Theresa May took over, as we know, and Theresa May has gone down as a largely forgettable prime minister. She came in, she was very... Um, used a lot of strong vocabulary when she took charge. She was going to, um, she was going to take control of Brexit. She was going to deliver for the country. She, She moved the Conservatives further to the right. Uh, than they were under Cameron, uh, largely yeah, going I for think a more so. Brexit-dominated. I think Cameron was... does kind of fit the centre right. I think mm. he's nearer to the centre right than any of the other two that have been. Well, to be honest, him. I think I think Theresa May did as well, and that's why I think she kind of failed because she was taking over a Brexit project that she she didn't believe in because she voted Remain. She, she wasn't. Yeah, she wasn't even a Brexiteer, which no. just seemed contradictory to yes. policies voted by the country. So, and that's why uh, now she then she was ousted because she couldn't deliver a, a, a good Brexit deal. And Boris Johnson came in and arguably Boris Johnson didn't, didn't deliver the best Brexit deal, but hey-ho, he, is, he was the face. He hardly, hardly delivered a deal, but hey-ho. And, that, and <laughs> yes. And uh, and he he won by a landslide in the last general election, um, and the Conservatives actually played a blinder because many people weren't happy with austerity, so then they switched to the EU referendum. They lost that vote really in many ways. David Cameron fell on his sword, but then they they then, I suppose, um, re reinvigorated themselves. They changed their image. They went to the people. They became almost the People's Party, the the Party of Patriotism, the Party for Brexit, and now that's what they're seen as. Very much so, especially after they've swayed the t- traditional voters of yes. Labour, yeah. being your county as well, Johnny. Yeah, Burnley. yeah. Um, well, Pendle, Pendle, my county, but correct. Uh, Pendle, also, Pendle, sorry, also. but uh, but the area of Burnley, um, where they turned to the Conservative Party and became Absolutely. a Conservative county. Where this is this was actually groundbreaking because Johnny's county, through pretty much its entirety of British yeah. history. Yeah. and existence yes. work um, voted for the Working Man's Party being well, the Labour well, Party. Well, 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 well. 
just just to burst your bubble, Adam, uh, there's two counties, one of which is uh, Burnley and uh, Hydeburn, and then the other one's Pendle. And Pendle has okay. actually been Conservative since 2010. So that was... Right. that was. <laughs> OK, but, I stand corrected. I stand but, corrected. But, 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 but you're, you're right yeah. with the one next to me, yeah. They, they, and that was a large number of voters that were lost, didn't, feel, didn't believe in the Jeremy Corbyn image, felt that Boris Johnson was the man to deliver what they wanted, Brexit, and they voted with uh, the Conservatives for the first time in a long time, which moves us on perfectly to debate section. And this is, is Sir Keir Starmer the right man to uh, challenge the Conservative government um, in an upcoming general election? I say upcoming, 2024, probably, general election. Just for a bit of context, uh, Sir Keir Starmer, leader of the Labour Party, he was the person to take over from the much maligned Jeremy Corbyn. I actually voted for Jeremy Corbyn. Uh, the Marmite I, of this country. <laughs> probably, yeah. I actually, and I'll say this now on record, as I said on, to someone on Twitter yesterday who was giving me grief for trying to stick up for Keir Starmer, I say, you know, I voted for Jeremy Corbyn. I actually admired him a lot. I thought he was a very honest politician, someone who was fundamentally aligned with his beliefs and he wouldn't change that because certain outlets or groups would want him to change that. And I'm talking about particular news outlets that, that wouldn't like necessarily some of his policies, so they would do their utmost to demonise him. I mean, because in a similar way, I compared to Donald, Donald Trump in a similar way, Donald Trump was quite radical with what he was suggesting with a lot of his policies, radical on the, on the right side of the political spectrum and the political and the, the American... Um, media really hammered, ha attacked him quite regularly. But Donald Trump used to fight that off, call it fake news, and he used to get quite, um, you know, Aggressive close and personal, yeah, with it. But you'd yeah, argue that yeah. he actually won that battle because he got he got a presidency out of it in the first instance. Whereas Jeremy Corbyn got smeared left, right, and centre, and he did barely battered an eyelid. He he just didn't attempt to challenge them. He didn't attempt to clear his name from some of the accusations that were going around. And ultimately, those accusations stuck. And it meant that whatever he said, really, was never going to get elected. He was unelectable. And now we have Sir Keir Starmer, Adam. So what do you think about the new or the current Labour leader? I don't know. It's been such a hot topic. Mm. Um, you know, I, when I was completing my master's in politics at Manchester University, yeah. the, um, my group of friends were predominantly Labour supporters. And at the time, I think it was Lisa Nandy from Wigan, who was the um, one of the you know popular uh, candidates within my friend group. And I can't remember who the others were now. And yeah, I know, it was Rebecca Long Bailey, wasn't there? Rebecca Long Bailey. Yeah, Rebecca Long Bailey. Yeah. Was it? Was it Rebecca Long Bailey? I just remember there was two favorite candidates in my friend group: Rebe Re Rebecca Long Bailey and Lisa Nandy. Yeah. And the fact that the one of the only males to be off the running was Sir Keir Starmer. Yes. And he once again, another straight white male got into the position of power. He was already not in a good place for a lot of young voters just okay. off that. And I know that from yeah. first-hand experience. Yeah. So, Did that bother you? Does it bother me? Yes, to a degree. Because it once again, it just reinforces the patriarchal you know, I, can't, I, can't, I don't know how to put this into words that are not going to be controversial. It, it's, it's, it, re, it just reinforces what we already know about British politics. Mm. You know, it, it's like, as long, you know, keep the men in the room and, 
the woman does come in just trying to get rid of her as quick as she can, which is what happened with Theresa May. Hmm. So quite a lot, there's quite a lot of females on to Kerr Stammer's front bench, though, isn't there? Yeah, and I think that's why there is so many females on his front bench, because he had to be speaking something progressive. Now, I don't know much about Keir Starmer, I'm going to be completely honest with you, because I lost a lot of interest in Labour politics, because he just seemed to crumble away mm. over the last couple of years. And uh, not, So I don't really have a strong opinion on it. Is he the right person to do it? He certainly has the, has the title, mm. the, the letters after his name, the history, the record, standing... But do people genuinely like him? I don't know. Uh, it's a 50-50. Well, you see, I, 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 I feel like I'm waffling here because I don't really have anything productive to say about him. I don't feel have like anything got... productive to say anyway. We just let you speak. All oh, right. <laughs> no, no, no. I'll, I'll go now. I, I, I need a wee. Can I, can I go? <laughs> no, you can't. <laughs> go after. Um, no, I'll tell you, I, my point with it is, as I've, as I've already said, I... I was firmly in the Corbyn camp because I felt at the time Jeremy Corbyn versus Boris Johnson for many people was quite a tough decision. And I, I felt, I felt strongly that, and I, and I still believe that if Corbyn was the, the, the prime minister right now in a global pandemic like this, I think we'd be better off than we would have been with Boris Johnson because this is a man oh, yeah, definitely. that certainly yeah, prioritised um, human lives over economy and so on. All right. But obviously, there was a big rejection of Corbyn at the December election. I feel like a lot of Corbyn supporters struggled to get over that. And when when Sir Keir Starmer comes in, Sir Keir Starmer's a centrist. He's a centrist. Probably centre-left as opposed to centre-right, but he is a centrist. Definitely centre-left, but he's he's way more centre than he is left. (laughs) Yeah. My point I'm trying to... The point I try to say is, if you are to become electable in the UK you need to start from a sensible starting position. Now, I think, and I've, and I've compared this to America in a way, we were talking before we went on air about how we never thought Bernie Sanders would have been electable if he'd have gone into the American presidential race. Yes, now, this is true. Now, it's, a caveat there is that Donald Trump had gone quite crazy by the time the votes came in. So there is a slight chance that Bernie Sanders might have got in, given the context of the last presidential race. But generally speaking, I don't think he would have beaten Donald Trump because Americans are scared no, of communism, no. socialism and all of that. that comes and anything it. that is anti-freedom, hashtag capitalism. And it's not so... just the Americans. If the Americans weren't scared of it, Many mainstream media would make them scared of it, if you know what I mean. I think they wouldn't take it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I think a lot of mainstream media might jump on the bandwagon. I, don't, I honestly don't think they're as clever as they make themselves look to be. I think they just like capitalizing on fear. Yeah. So well, you see, for me though, I feel like when Sakestarma comes in, the left, many of the Corbyn. Following, they wanted to vote for Rebe- they were going Rebecca Long Bailey. I feel like the Corbyn, the Corbynistas, the Corbynites. Yeah, definitely, like, definitely Rebecca Long Bailey. Because yeah. Rebecca Long Bailey was essentially a quite a quite a key figure in in, in Corbyn's administration. They got on very well, and she was see- they saw her as the successor to Corbyn to promote a similar level of politics going forward for the Labour Party. But in my view, I feel like. That December result, albeit Corbyn got slandered so much that you know his policies became a bit redundant in the end because people just hated the man. Which, which to be honest, I t- t- can't get your head around 
how so many people can hate a man who actually wants to do good by most people, but that's what happened. Um, well, yeah, that, that seems that, to be a common thing at the moment among people. And, and that tarnished yeah. the left for me. That tarnished the left for me um, and for many people because you say lefty and people are going, oh, here we go again, political correctness, this, they're going to cripple yeah. the economy, they're going to do this. And that's a carefully con- considered and, and, and targeted media campaign, not just on the newspapers, but on, in certain newspapers, but on certain news channels, political commentators on Facebook. It's quite prominent that, you know, you can't have this man taking charge. You can't have the can't big a socialist country. And then socialist gets mixed up with communist. And you get all of these left, far left words being brought into play. Corbyn's not a communist. Corbyn's not a terrorist sympathiser. But hey, everyone thought he was. And that's all that really matters. Uh, or everyone being those that voted in another direction. So because when, when you got Sagan Starmer coming in and trying to go with a more sensible approach, I, I, had, I respect that in a way because he knows or he's at least a little bit more adaptable and, and willing to do different things to move with the public opinion to make Labour an electable party. And you've said you don't like how he's sort of hidden away at times during this pandemic or refused to really hammer home on the government. And to be fair, I think he actually has taken Boris Johnson to task on a lot of issues. I mean, he's forced him into yes. a few U-turns. And I would yeah. say that there is a danger in going in too hard on a government that's just been elected by a landslide majority, with many people still believing that this is that Boris Johnson's doing the best that he can in difficult circumstances. And he's just delivered Brexit, and that pleased a lot of his um the people that voted for him. So there's a danger in doing that because. I actually think being a blank slate, which I think he is a little bit, being a blank slate at this point in the game is probably a victory because he hasn't been tarnished. He hasn't been already written off like Corbyn was before the last election. People aren't sure what to think of him. And when all this blows over and when the pandemic's at an end and when the realities of Brexit start to kick in a bit more after the pandemic... That's Boris Johnson having a lot of questions to answer again. And it's also a great opportunity for Kesakea Starmer to build his build his um build his pitch, build what he, he wants the Labour Party to stand for. And you said this that the patriotism thing didn't go down well with, with certain people within the Labour Party. What I would say is they're trying to attract people from outside of the party, people that voted Conservatives, people that aren't Labour Party members, but maybe they've voted for them in the past and they felt they felt out of shape, out of touch with Corbyn and his policies and his ideas. They didn't think that he's, he was um, pro-Britain enough. I think he's trying to conform a little bit to those outside of the party's walls to make Labour, um, elect, you know, it, to put Labour in a position where they could actually target a larger portion of the electorate and hopefully challenge the Conservatives in another election. Make some interesting points. I think it's definitely an interesting one when he turned or he took the narrative of creating a patriotic party. Mm. And obviously that would maybe give the opportunity to win over some of the working class counties to turn back mm. to Labour because they represent that narrative. But I don't know. I, I haven't I haven't simply done enough prep or reading to be able to comment on this correctly. Um, and I do not want to be saying things that I may later on regret. So 
No, very interesting point you made there, Johnny. To be honest. Oh, thank you. Uh, I, I, you know, for me, I, I feel, I feel like a lot of uh, there have been a lot of criticisms from the from Labour members with regards to Starmer, and I feel like concessions need to be made from both sides. I think Starmer needs to work a bit more on appeasing those in the on the left side yeah, of the Labour Party. I, I think one thing Starmer could seriously do is try and do a few things to win over younger voters. Mm. And what those things are, I don't particularly know. It may be steered towards reducing university fees, so more support for universities in general, um, talk about more of the socio-economic pressing issues of lower classes. Yeah, Maybe talk a bit more about the LGBTQ community. There, yeah. he, there is plenty he could do, which I'm not mm. seeing much of in the media. Mm. Now, I'm not saying that he's not already doing these things or has not already yeah. strived to some of this stuff but there's not enough of it happening but mm. that's very difficult to do in a global pandemic yes. and you don't want to be seen as the guy deconstructing a government as or dissecting government when they're trying to solve a pandemic with the limited views and resources they may have well to be so, honest if you're a conservative or a Labour voter or a Liberal Democrat voter or a, or a voter for anybody you should want a fully functioning democracy and if you've got two people who have a half decent chance of electability instead of one then that's going to be better for the country because they're going to take each other quite seriously instead of last election boris johnson basically said get brexit done in every single in every single um uh, speech that he did literally and it was almost a parody jeremy corbyn's coming up with all these answers and he's he's actually outperforming him i think in most of the debates but because boris johnson was so um obviously going to the Brexit route and just reiterate repeated those words like a broken record I mean it was it was a bit embarrassing but it just showed how how this race had already really been won before we'd even you know got got going yeah um given how much he won by anyway uh and my point really Adam just to summarize I just think concessions have to be made by both sides and I think every time Sir Keir Starmer makes a point that might appeal to some people on the right or the centre, then the left are out with the pitchforks. A bit like on the Simpsons movie where they all go to Homer's house and they're all outside and they're ready. It's like the lynch mob. And I just think, and I, and I wrote a piece on this for the, not the independent, but the indie, as in indie dependent. Um, I wrote a piece on this and it was, uh, I, I was saying, yeah, I was saying it's easier to build progressive change when you're in power from a centre starting point than it is to start shouting about progressive change when you're not in power and trying to get into power from a, a starting moderate left point. That's what I think. It's all very interesting stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm so tired. <laughs> I'm so tired. <laughs> These are really contentious issues. No, it's, it was a, it's, it, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. I, I, I put many people to sleep. Yeah, so we're going into the United States territory now. And, our, and Adam's favourite person, Donald J. Trump. Hey, I'm everybody's <laughs> favourite person. I love Adam. He's a great guy. He's a great guy. He does a great job. It's... Does he? Yeah. He does what? Anyway, all right. Anyway, yeah. Anyway, that. your favourite guy, Mr. Donald J. Trump. The what's it? Yes. He's been acquitted. Tangerine. He's been acqu- Is he 74 yes. now? He's been acquitted, Adam. What do you think? 
Yeah, it has. I watched the whole trial. Um, we didn't watch the whole trial, did you? Because it was going on for quite uh, a while. No, no, not the whole trial. I, I watched the book. <laughs> right. um, yeah. Lies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I struggle to understand mm-hmm. how some Repub- only seven Republicans, was it? Six Republicans yeah. had the courage to. Uh, well, let's get the let's get democracy. Okay, one hey. second. So this is by APN News. Uh, oh, oh no, AP News. Sorry, I added another N. Um, what wasn't there? Yeah, it was. Um, it, you're right. Uh, I think it was seven, wasn't it? Seven Republicans. It was a vote of fifty-seven to forty-three, and I think you'll probably know this better than me, but I think to get impeached. He would have needed seventy-five percent of the votes. Is it to to two thirds? I think is yeah, it? Oh, sixty-six. Two-thirds. Sorry, sixty-six. Two um, two thirds. Yeah, he needed two thirds of the votes to be acquitted. Yeah, two thirds. Yeah, I so. just and and I just what I really what I struggled with when listening to the the closing arguments was hmm. I can't remember the name of the Republican speaking out, but he said that they're not refusing that what happened to the Capitol was wrong. Mm. But was Trump the inside yes. to and said, "Well, there's no that real the main argument, way yeah. of them proving it." And mm. I was like, "There is plenty <laughs> of ways yeah. to prove it. It's just sometimes I feel like, and um, this is a narrative I've seen all across Twitter, mm. um, is it exposed the corruption that's seen in American politics mm. at the moment, and it's the same corruption seen in British politics. It is mm. the backhander, the yeah economic gain through political decisions mm. you know to see a, a republican president get acquitted for a second uh, to, to be impeached for a second time would fundamentally destroy the republican party the credibility yeah. of the Republican party and so you understand it if you're a proud republican but surely a truly proud republican would have had the courage to vote against, yeah. you know, man who blatantly disregarded democracy. Yeah. So the fact that Trump was acquitted, it made me sick in my mouth a little bit. I'm not going to lie. It's a sad day mm. for American democracy, an extremely mm. sad day for American democracy. I feel like the credibility of American democracy, you know, it's the same place I go and take my morning dump. You know what I mean? It's That's where it is. Where's that? Yeah. Um, in the back garden, yeah. but yeah, <laughs> outside the kennel, which you're sleeping. Yeah. Um, but you know, you're right. I mean, it's um, I I wasn't surprised though. You know, when well, I, I said three quarters, when when I heard it was two thirds people that that needed to vote in favour, it didn't surprise me too much because one thing I would say with the Republican Party, which as we've talked about in past episodes, was was labelled the Donald Trump Party. Donald Trump will have had a lot of allies within that party, people who he probably had a very good relationship with people within the Republican Party. And I imagine that, like you sort of suggested, whether corruption comes into play, whether that relationship was funded by uh, some of Donald Trump's own money, I don't know, not, not one to speculate. But aside from that possibility, he still probably had a lot of good relationships in the party that promoted siege mentality at the end. I mean, you were either in the in the Trump 
bandwagon or you weren't. And quite clearly, as this uh, as this acquittal uh, shows, many many still were in that bandwagon. Yeah, I think so. Or there was at least something riding in the balance for it, because I, I I can't believe that the extremely clever people who are the senators, the Congress people of of the U.S. government could not see his guiltiness. I, I just don't understand how such clever people could be so, you know, blind to the truth. Yeah. Um, I find it a very depressing concept, but, you know. Well, Mitch McConnell, current leader of the Republicans, voted to impeach Trump. And he said, yes, he did. He said it was pra- he was practically... Sorry, Trump was practically and morally responsible for the whole incident at the Capitol. Yes, and I, I, have, I have full respect for Mitch McConaughey. I haven't agreed with him in the past, but I certainly agree with him today. Yeah, um, but I, I know I say I wasn't too surprised, but were you surprised? Because you sound a bit surprised, given how frustrated and upset you were. No, I'm not surprised. I'm just... It reinforced my belief of just, yeah, about... US mm. politics. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Which is? It's not very good at the moment. No. <laughs> but hopefully, no, yeah. hopefully, under Biden, there'll yes. be a little bit more positivity. Joe Biden's polling very well at the moment, and long may that continue. He's moving like a train. Yeah. Yes. Yes. What I will say is that obviously, I don't think it will be Joe Biden going for the re- re-election in, in four years' time. Uh, no, years even time. by lefty standards, he'll be uh, reaching an age which may prove difficult for him. <laughs> yes, uh, and yeah. obviously that, that'll probably be Kamala Harris. But from the Republican side, now Trump has been acquitted. Is there a chance that he will run again for nomination? He has the legal right. He does. He has the legal right. Yeah. Um, he is still up for criminal prosecution, though. He's still up yeah. to proceedings um depending on your views of the man if they go well for him then he can run again mm. no issues at all yeah if he is convicted of some things that's where the issues will start for him do you think i mean it'd be quite interesting actually because if it is kamala harris many people think she will run i actually quite like kamala harris but, i do as well i think she's great yeah kamala harris if she won in if she runs and she won, she'd be the first female president in American history, and also she's of um, she's part of the BAME community. So yes. that again, that would be another um, progressive. Uh, look. Like the fact she's become VP, yeah. The fact she's already become VP is a, a huge milestone. Yeah. Yeah. What it would be interesting, though, she's considered... I actually think, I mean, some people were saying, and I think this was a, a Donald Trump policy to put people off the Biden-Harris administration, because when I've looked at Kamala Harris's voting record, I'd suggest centre-left, not moderate-left, to be honest. Um, yeah, I think she's still got a very acute understanding of where Americans fall on the, you know, the views of freedom, capitalism... Mm and the view of bettering oneself but she very mm. much it, it, she 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 very much believes in being able to help others in the same mode you know what i mean 
would she run rings around a 77 year old Donald Trump if Donald Trump came into uh, go head to head in in 2024? She would. Do you think she would convince him? Yes. Yeah. Yes, because in 2024 you're going to have a generation of young Americans coming yeah. up from school, university, college, who will be for Kamala Harris. Mm. But saying that, that is very, that might be a bit naive on my part, because uh, you go into the red states, there's plenty of support. And you've got to you. look at, and we talked a bit about this last week, Joe Biden's heavy green policies are just going to anger and frustrate anyone who sided with him this time on the basis that they couldn't go with Trump last time because of Trump's obvious yes. deficiency. That, exactly. won't, that, that will probably send them back to Trump, if anything, if he goes too far. And I, it's hard to say too far. And we will have a proper debate on green policies at some point, but it's hard to say too far, given that the US are, are the, West, the leader of the Western world. They should be making the positive, progressive movements on climate change for everyone else to see. But if it does go as quickly as some have suggested, that could lead to a lot of job shortages in the short term, at least anyway, a lot of people losing their jobs and losing their livelihoods, those in the oil industry. So again, that promotes anger and frustration. And that's how yeah. the the Trump bandwagon starts to starts to rev up again. Yeah, that's the, you know, um, yeah, simple as. Uh, it's a difficult one because... <sighs> Green energies, even though when you actually sit down and realise what green energy is, it still angers a lot of people because people still have this weird love for fossil fuels. But yeah. I suppose when your whole livelihood depends on a skill which requires, you know, around fossil fuel, then of course you're going to be angry. Yeah. But surely the US government, as well as many other governments, should be looking out retraining or re-employing these people for green jobs utilizing yeah. for green jobs for utilizing their skills for an industry which is carbon negative rather than mm. carbon positive yeah then that's where they should be doing if they're going to say we're going to close down this pipeline but what we're going to do is redeploy you all into agreed yeah building wind turbines i don't know this is just a simple you know but people need answers before they hear the question you know what i mean indeed uh, you know. Long, uh, just to just to quickly summarise that though, would Donald Trump going into the election in four years stand a realistic chance of having a belated second term, or do you think it by that point in twenty twenty four, it's highly unlikely that he'll still have the stability to lead a successful presidential campaign? Um. I don't think he had the mental stability to lead the first successful campaign to be honest In personal opinion, no, I don't think he will have the mental stability. I think he's been, I think I've read many reports about his mental stability having... Steve Bannon thought he had dementia, didn't he? I think. Yeah, radically declining. Um, so that's what I'd like to say from a medical point of view no he should not from a psychiatric point of view he should not yes as a rich old white guy he will yes yes very good um, yeah very good uh, okay this is an interesting one to finish fun, uh, fun slash using news story I'll share the screen for this see as you've been working on an unshared screen policy for the 
bulk of this. Yeah, yeah. And this, yeah, and this is, um, yeah, this is with, um, so I'm not actually sure when this was. This was last month, but uh, I've only just come across it now and it's quite amazing. Oh, yeah, Burns Night, the Scottish yeah. holiday. Yeah. yeah. 25th of January, so only nearly a month out of date. But this is this has just appeared on um on one of Sky News' funny stories section. And the headline Haggis launched to the edge of space in celebration of Burns Night, which you which Adam noted. Uh, Robert Burns, isn't it, the poet? And yes, uh, yeah. Let's use the Scottish people to get drunk. But um yeah, among every you, other night. Among week. every other night of the week. <laughs> Including um, myself, <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah. So they, yeah, twenty um, fifth of January in celebration of the life and works of national poet Robert Burns. There's a picture there, and I'm sure this is not true. It might be, you know, actually, no, I think it is. So for the first time ever, a package. <laughs> I, bet, I bet that haggis. It's great. Yeah. yeah, for the first time ever, a packet of haggis has been launched to the edge of space. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know what haggis is, Adam, how would you describe it? Um, if you've ever had black pudding, mm. um, it's like that, but different. It's basically the contents of a sheep's stomach um, with... No, hold on. It's... Oh, God, I'm going to have to Google this. I don't want to be giving... It's really nice. It's mixed with oats. Hold on. Yeah. Haggis. Let me, let me just describe what Wiki yeah. says. While you Haggis do that, sa- yeah. I've, I've got it. I've got it. It's a savory yeah. pudding containing sheep's pluck, minced with onion, oatmeal, soy, spices, and salt. Heart, liver, mm. and lungs. That's what it is. It's lovely. Fantastic. Yeah. Anyway. Fart. Yes. Yes. Um, anyway, after that wonderful um, side note that it, that it makes you have wind. Um, a haggis <laughs> was attached to a weather balloon and soared more than 20 miles. That's 107,293 feet above the earth, equivalent to nearly four times the height of Everest. Uh, after taking off from the Simon Howie headquarters in Dunning, it travelled over Stirling, Falkirk, don't know why I went, that was Scottish, Edinburgh, and, and the Pentland Hills before landing safely in Lauda in the borders. Mr. Howie said he wanted to start the year by lifting the spirits of the general public and was thrilled to work with Stratton Oats, which I imagine is who helped him get the haggis all the way up there. That's an interesting one. Have you ever thought of flying anything to space, Adam? Um, pint? Maybe a pint. Maybe just, I have a pint in space, maybe. That would be good. Maybe an alien just... It, it, you, you're shocked if you had a camera attached to it and someone picks it up and starts drinking it from Mars. Yeah, take a while to get there. Oh. But, uh, yeah, it would be. Um, I couldn't be an astronaut, me, you know. No, why is that? No, like because you can't have beer shortly in space. I suppose you could. You could. Why not? Do you though? I, 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 don't, I don't know. know. I'm not an astronaut. I'm... <laughs> I have to ask when you're like for NASA. Yeah, you you Google can that. You, and you can. can. You can do you that. Have an alcoholic. Yes. You Google that while while you find out the answer. Thank you for listening on this wonderful episode five. Adam's finding out the answers to the questions that you've all been asking for. And join us next week for more political insight, fun discussion, debates, and uh, things like this. Adam, have you got an answer for everyone? Astronauts can't drink alcohol. There you go. Fantastic insight from Adam. And that's a goodbye from us. Okay, bye.